Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tales of Recovery. Yes, the sound seems to be working. Thank you for coming back and listening to this podcast about um, recovery and getting your life back, your um, emotional intelligence back, your health, whatever it is that you've given away or was taken from you during your lifetime, whatever experience you've had. This podcast is about how do we return to remembering that we are completely enough, completely complete (laughs) and full of light and especially exactly what we're supposed to be. And there's different stories, of course, different guests, different avenues of getting there. There is no right way. There is no, there's not even, I don't think, right or wrong. It's just like, it is what it is, right? It's just how life is. And today I want to talk about addictions. And the body, because I am hosting a workshop called Conscious Embodiment on February 25th. Yes, I believe it's Friday, Friday, February 25th here in San Diego. If you would like to join, there's just the alarm over here on the phone, you know, interrupting stuff. Um, if you'd like to join and you're in San Diego, and I'm also going to host this workshop on Zoom. So if you're not locally in San Diego, you can hop on, you know, from wherever you are on your little computer or phone and join us. It's a two-hour workshop that I've created about how um, to create a context around how we feel in our bodies, right? There's so much anxiety. There's so much depression, sadness, um, constriction in the body, and numbing 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 in the body and you know after let's see it's been like maybe 25 26 years that i that i started in recovery groups and ever since i began in these recovery groups i have had you can imagine millions of different experiences therapies workshops um body healings and then the you know so i've tried everything I've tried everything. And one of the greatest discoveries that I've made was when I began to train for Prison Yoga Project. And the Prison Yoga Project uh, lady that trained, the, the one that trained me, was her name is Kate Beckel. She's a somatic practitioner. And somatic experience practitioner means, what that means is, if you can go to a psychotherapy and talk about it all you want, And that's great, right? You want to have some type of idea of what's happening. But somatic practitioners make uh, whatever you're talking about really, really slow because they give you time to feel whatever's happening, whatever you're thinking about, feel it inside of your body. And so many of us don't really want to feel what's inside of our bodies. You know, you're hungry, you run and you eat. You have a headache, you go take three Advil. Somebody gets on your nerves, you take a shot of tequila. Um, you're bored, you scroll on Instagram for five hours. Or you lay on the couch and just binge on Netflix forever. You, so there's a, we don't really have this training to be aware of what is happening inside of our bodies. Simply because, I don't know. I mean, maybe you do have the training. I don't know. It just hasn't been, in my experience, something that's very consciously taught since the, since we're kids, right? Not even now to the kids, 
you're taught, you know, about your body and, you know, keep your hands to yourself. And they teach you exercise so you know that your body is strong and, you know, eat your vegetables. But there really isn't much connection to, you know, when you're throwing a tantrum, besides them telling you to stop throwing the tantrum, to understanding what emotion is expanding and trying to come out of your body. What is a kid throwing a tantrum trying to communicate? Most of us think, well, he's just being a bad kid. He's just wanting to do what he wants. He's not wanting to get into the discipline. And I'm telling him to do this and he's not doing it. And there's always might be some of that. But also we, we don't think, in my opinion, and in my experience, give enough leeway to see, okay, what is this body of this child trying to express? And how can I give it space? And then how can I, first of all, how can I give it space for this, this little body to allow these emotions, these sensations to move through the head and the ears and the neck and the belly and flailing the arms and screaming. And then how can I wait until his body has maybe calmed down a bit to tell the kid, hey, you know, that was your body using its intelligence to state an alarm coming out of you that you don't like this or that you want to do something different. And it's important that you are, that you notice how smart your body is. How smart is your body that it that it knows when it doesn't want something and then it screams and then it says, no, no. And then, you know, as they get a little older or, or, or this capacity to understand, oh, I'm not a bad kid. I just had like this, these emotions coming through my body. And then you can begin to say, okay, what can we do next time these emotions come and your little sister's in front of you, you might not want to kill her or hit her or, you know. And we learn to do some deep breaths, but also say, okay, body, like, can we learn to communicate with our bodies and understand that they're super freaking smart? Our bodies are like Ferrari. I mean, they're like the top of the line, top of the line vehicle for life. And how can we learn and create a space where we're aware of What's happening while it's happening, not two hours later. You know how that goes? You know, you, you're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this complex before I go down that rabbit hole. But so anyway, when we, when we can explain this to a child and as they grow, continue to practice these, um, this awareness of what your emotions are in going through your body, I think we would have a lot of better humans, people in the world. Um, so. In my experience, what we get taught is don't show your emotions, don't cry, don't scream, don't do tantrums. That's just ridiculous. And, you know, suck it up and do what I say and be polite. So there's so much constriction on one part. On the second part, there's also a lot of if you're funny, I'll pay attention to you. If you um, create chaos in the classroom or in your life or whatever, then you're getting attention from me. So there's all these different behaviors and things that we do as kids to get, um, to get attention that are disconnected with the emotional intelligence of such actions. And on top of that, we also have what's called the protection mode. So if you're protecting yourself from a horrible teacher, a horrible parent, a horrible 
boss or whatever, and your experience with confronting or being exposed to, you know, something rude or something mean being said to you is to freeze because you've been told, don't talk back, don't have a tantrum, don't do anything that's not polite. Then your body remembers that it needs to freeze when this stuff comes up, right? And not say anything or do anything that um, that might upset anybody else or that I might get you in quote unquote trouble. So we hold all these memories inside of our mind and our body. And um, we're also very resilient people, right? We're, we're still getting shit done. And we're still, some of us are raising kids and paying the rent and, you know, traveling here and there. And we have friends and we go to the gym and we're still living life because we're so fucking powerful and resilient. But we're living this life in many ways in a small little prison because we hold ourselves back and there's so much doubt about our body emotional intelligence. One of the examples is, you know, I have so much anxiety. I get so scared. I get so freaked out. I can't even get out of bed. I don't want to go to that party anymore. I don't want to go see those people anymore. I want to cry and I, and I'm beating myself up about it because I really want to get up out of bed, but I can't, I mean, these contradictions are some of the things that I learned about are stuck memories in the muscles of our bodies that are what they're called, what people call now trauma. Um, or just life memories. And it's interesting how like all this science coming up about how these things are very, you know, now, now they know about trauma and body trauma and, and these memories and things that you weren't able to process emotionally when you were five or 15 or 22 or 30 or whatever. And if you go there and you know, set off in your body or whatever, you can, you can release this trauma or you can transform it. And these same modalities have been going on with our ancestors since forever, like years and years and years and years ago. There, there are ancient traditions that have been wiped out because of colonialism and and the empires that came in, like, you know, like the Roman Empire, I'm sure there was a couple before that, that just rewired all of our ancient, like, earth-based rituals and wisdom and traditions because of this new, I guess, government that came in to control people. So the point of all of this is to say that when I was training in Prison Yoga Project with the Somatic Experience Practitioner, Several things happened that I was just, that just blew me away. They blew me away to the point where I realized a lot of the things, and mind you, by here, I was a very, very disciplined yoga practitioner. I mean, I was going to yoga every day, hour, hour and a half, sometimes twice a day, for years, for years, for years. Yoga was the way that I liked to heal my body. It felt good. I released so many things. I meditated. It kept me calm. And, but in one of the trainings in person yoga, um, project trauma-informed glasses was that we were given a choice. So instead of following all of the instructions, you know, inhale, mountain pose, exhale, touch your feet, inhale. Um, one of the tricks, one of the, I guess, techniques was, hey, if you want to do the inhale and lift up your hands, you can do it. If you don't, it's fine. If you want to sit there the whole time, um, 
at the same time also questioning why you're doing such things. But it was so revolutionary for me because and there was a couple of poses that I hated. For example, chair pose was so freaking hard for me. I've gotten used to it now. I actually enjoy it now after 10 years. So things do change, of course. Nothing's permanent. Impermanence is where it's at. But I did remember that point where I was like, what in the hell? I don't have to do this chair pose. I can release it if I want to until the next time I want to join in. And I remember starting just bawling, like crying and crying and crying because it just hit a note about so many times that I bypassed my emotional intelligence of choosing what I wanted to do or what I wanted to say because, you know, I was going to offend someone or it was going to be, I was going to get in trouble. Which, by the way, I do think getting in trouble is actually like a good thing. Like if you're not getting in trouble at least once a week, then you're probably not doing something right because there's too many fucking rules to begin with anyway. So, but without, of course, hurting anybody or yourself. There's a little disclaimer in there. Um, so what I began to do in this training is to realize, oh, okay, okay, we have to offer, instead of going in and saying, do this, I want you to lift up your hand or whatever, you, you invite, you invite your, your, your students to do it. You invite your body to try certain things. If you don't like it, you stop. And maybe you try it again a little bit further the next time. And, you know, this is like a short video. I'm not going to explain the whole thing here, but it was revolutionary to realize how much we give up our choice in our own listening to our bodies. You can sit there through a yoga pose or through a workout when you know your knee is about to burst. You can't do it anymore. The yoga pose is so hard, but you're like, everyone's watching. I got I to push through. I got to do this. I got to do this. And, um, Sometimes just learning this compassion and the slowing down and this softness of, no, do I really need to do it? Like, do I really need to push through right now? Can I take it slow? Um, it's really, it's really, it's really a, a long process. And it's not complicated. It's simple. And little by little, you learn that you, you, you have this beautiful machine in your body. And with certain tools and practices and the context and information of how you're built and then going in and exploring a little bit of maybe where you learned these protections or these constrictions that are in your body uh, can really be helpful to then moving forward when you can't get up out of bed because you're so depressed, you're so anxious, or when you don't want to pick up that phone call from that family member because you know the shit's going to hit the fan and your body starts to tremble and you run for the ice cream. Stuff your face and numb it out. And, you know, I love doing this type of work. Number one is because it helps me live a better life and live better inside my body. I think any good teacher is teaching what they need to hear or what they've needed to be, um, to process and be in, in experience in order to, to feel better have a better life. People call me and they're like, hey man, how you doing? What's going on? People that I haven't seen in a long time. And my answer is usually like, well, here I am in this war without fighting, but preparing. Because it's a constant something or other, something or other, something or other that's always going to be coming up. And the way to be in equanimity and calmness and enjoy and like the best you can is being prepared. So this conscious embodiment workshop is a step one in many other workshops that are coming 
to really come in and prepare, know how to prepare the mind and the body to be resilient and deliberate. To prepare the mind and the body to be resilient, to be aware, and then resilient and deliberate. So instead of, you know, reacting, you can breathe in, really get into your body, know, oh, I'm just going to remember from this XYZ situation or that one, and then actually become this super intelligent being that drives its body without um, without self-treason, without abandoning yourself, but really stepping in and owning and trusting the, you know, your body. And trusting, and, and as you connect this mind, body, heart, you know, um, that you're able to come through life, even though sometimes it's hard, because, yeah, it's going to be hard, but you're more aware of your power in this, in this game that we're playing in life, in this game and this opportunity. So if you would like to join me, you can register at grisalves.com slash events or send me a message if you want a little bit more information. It's a two-hour event at Yoga Church San Diego Studio, which is up in North Park. It is sliding scale. You pay $55 or 20, all the way to 25 whatever you want to pay. And yeah, and that's it. And that's it. We'll, that'll be the first one. There'll be more to come. But if you're not in San Diego, we can also, you can also sign up and I'll be, we can Zoom you in. I will be recording the Zoom. So if you do the Zoom, you can get the video after as well or whenever you want to. Uh, look at those tools again and use the resources that I'll be handing out. So it is important to be in touch with your own soul for validation and confirmation, especially when very few people can see you clearly. There's a saying by Marianne Hansel. I don't think you can get in touch with your own soul unless you realize that your soul is inside this conduit of the body. At least for now, it can travel. Sure, it comes and it goes, but we're embodied. We have this body and this soul, this consciousness, the spirit, whatever you want to call it, is inside of your body. So come cultivate in this workshop these tools, this knowledge, and these practices so that, um, so that we can heal together in community. You know, the more we heal as, as, as individuals and, and then in community, well, it trickles down to your kids. If you have kids, you should always be trying to heal yourself. Not just sending the kids to therapy or to class or whatever. They're going to regulate their nervous system through you because you're the mom or the dad, or the parent. So I suggest, you know, suggestions that um, if you have kids, you really, really show up. Because um, we're messing up these kids with our own anxiety. Maybe not messing them up. Maybe that's a bad word to say, but it's, you know, the better you are, the better your kids will be. For sure. And I, I hope to see you there. If you have questions, let me know. And of course, I'm going to post this video on the podcast as well. So if you're someplace else, it's not local. Uh, send me an email or register on the uh, 
on my page and make sure you leave your, your email so we can send the, the Zoom link to you before we begin. And thank you for breathing, for listening, for being alive and brave. And I honor your resilience just as I honor mine because this shit can be hard, man. Um, I was at this ceremony this weekend and one of the girls kept saying, love is hard, man. Love is hard. And I would look at her like, what do you mean love is hard? Love is great. And then I would think, I guess sometimes it is hard, you know, because you love someone so much and like, um, or you want to love so much and you can't open your heart. And so all of these things really are ideas, but how do we get them into the body to alchemize them and process them and feel them and really enjoy them? Because, well, like I always say, we're all going to die. And meanwhile, while we're alive, let's make it really count. Feel it and remember and honor these temples and this body because as we do that, we heal so many other things. And right relationship with your body and right relationship with your community and right relationship with the earth and the plants and everybody. And uh, yeah, so thanks for listening. Those are recovery and we will see you next.